0: Hello, I'm Jim, and this is On The Left Side, your alternative football show. You can join the On The Left Side team now by subscribing to this podcast. That way you get it first and free every single Monday. Just hit subscribe however you listen. This week, the news broke that Paul Pogba's agent, Mino Riola, is going to get a whopping £41 million straight into his obviously very sizeable pockets because of the deal to take Pogba to Old Trafford. Just to be clear, Manchester United will have paid more to Riola than Chelsea paid to buy N'Golo Kante this season. FIFA have also announced they will be investigating the transfer, presumably because they don't believe that the kickbacks and envelopes stuffed with used banknotes were quite big enough. Personally, I think paying 89 pounds for the, quote, greatest midfielder on earth, is less a case for the world governing body and more a case for trading standards. Right, so what's coming up on this week's show? It's Groundhog Day at Arsenal. OK, campers, and shine. Why Chelsea's manager should be in a zoo. And Jose Mourinho's iron fist. But first, you may never look at crisps the same way again. Opinions are a lot like arseholes. I'm not really interested in Alan Shearer's. Typical. But it's not just the ex-England striker who likes to thrust his throffing views into our Match of the Day viewing throats each and every week, spouting rubbish, wearing inexplicably tight shirts and mixing metaphors like, well, like, like I just have. And this week, the beloved football pundits of the UK have been excelling themselves. Firstly, I've got a confession to make. I cheated on you. I cheated on you with another podcast this week. I listened to five lives excellent at home with Colin Murray, where the affable Irishman visits some famous faces from sport at their own home. And this week it was Gary Lineker, crisp salesman and one time England striker. Here's the thing. I don't think I have seen Gary Lineker do anything recently in which he hasn't at some point mentioned crisps. And when I say recently, I mean at any point since about 1995. So I was curious exactly how long into this interview with Colin would it take Gary to slide in a little reference to his favourite snack? Come on, come on. Oh, that's it. Medico-oba. Ready? Here we go. Cup of tea as well, thank you very much. No sugar necessary. No sugar. Do you strike me as a person in later years who would have all sorts of new wave, healthy drinks and smoothies. And I I would say, how fit you look for your age, you probably drink kale. Yeah, I do a bit bit of juice and stuff, you know, and um, salt and vinegar. (laughs) Who had 17 seconds? 17 seconds. I'm not even sure the interview had really started at that point either. But it's good to see his poaching abilities are as hot when it comes to endorsements as they were on the pitch. Any little gap? And he is in there. Which probably helps explain in some part why I saw a headline this week which read Gary Lineker denies shagging crisps. For some unknown reason, the pundit was giving an interview with OK Magazine in which he decided to answer the question raised on a flag at Glastonbury last season, which suggested that he liked to indulge in sexual intercourse with crisps. What are you doing, man? You don't need to answer that question. In fact, just answering that question makes me more suspicious, especially when you decide to qualify it with a reason for your denial, saying that you think crisps would, quote, just crumble away. Mm -hmm. Which means he has at some point considered intercourse with a packet of cheese and onion. Surely the top reason for not having sex with a packet of crisps is... It's a packet of crisps. (laughs) Thankfully CRISPR is one topic not on the menu at Talk Sport breakfast when Ray Wilkins was sitting in for the big man Alan Brazil. What was on the menu, however, was childish bickering after an argument between Ray and Sun writer Neil Custis descended into name-calling after Wilkins said this. If he beats him on the near post, then he beats him. Oh, don't if be he... ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. I've not come on to have a stupid conversation. Take don't talk second. to me about being oh, ridiculous, ridiculous when it comes to footballing knowledge because you don't have any. I think for the first time in my life, I might be on the side of the sun here. Why would you organise a football expert to come on a talk radio football show from an expert point of view to give his expert opinion only to start the interview by telling them they didn't know anything? A question that was not lost on Custis. Why did you just say there that I have no footballing knowledge? You've run me up, right, to ask me to come on this show and you start insulting me like that. Who are you anyway? I know it's Alan Brazil. Who Who are you? Who am I? I'm nobody, yeah. my friend. Nobody whatsoever. And well, I've always I've always that. claimed you that through life. You've just basically said that to me. So why have you rung me up to ask me about this whole thing after Jesus Christ? It's awkwardly brilliant. That's all I've heard of the show, but I can only assume that what followed that bit of the interview was Wilkins calling Custis a big poohead, telling him he wasn't his best friend anymore, and then giving him a Chinese burn. I think I need to lie down. So thank the Lord for the excitement void that is Phil Neville. The third best Neville after Gary Neville and their dad Neville Neville. Yes, that really was his name. Continue to try and suck all the life from the game this week after he gave a damning review of this season's race for the Premier League title. I've been disappointed for three or four weeks now, because at the moment I'm watching games that actually, I'm actually turning off because I'm actually quite bored watching. Keep it light there, Phil. Ever heard of the phrase, sports entertainment? And anyway, you're bored, Phil. You're bored. Phil, you never had to watch a game with your commentary on it. You don't know the meaning of bored. Looks tough, he is tough The ball's there to be won He'll take ball and man with it Wonderful, that's it up Arsenal are going to finish fourth, aren't they? I don't know why anyone ever doubted it for a minute It's as inevitable as the changing of the seasons Or death and taxes Or England disappointing on the international stage It's just the way things are and we have to accept it. It doesn't matter how angry everyone gets on YouTube. Arsenal will qualify for the Champions League. Wenger will sign a new contract, and that's the way it is until the end of time. The good thing is, the rest of the Premier League knows this too, and everyone has teamed up to make sure we remain the status quo for another season. Even Wenger's sworn enemy, Jose Mourinho, decided that he wasn't going to bother trying to win any games for the rest of the season, to give the Gunners a little leg up for their traditional finish. Well, I don't think we, we have any chance of finishing top four in, in, the, in the Premier League. We have to chase Champions League by trying to win the to win Europa League. In fact, having finally rid himself of the worst unbeaten run in footballing history by losing to Wenger last week, he seemed positively delighted. There are some fans, they're happy, I'm happy for them. You know, it's nice for them. It's nice for them. Honestly, it's it's a big club. Jose sounding pretty smug, isn't he? Well, you can understand that from a man who has remained undefeated for 25 games, I guess. But a quick word on the unbeaten run. When United started this incredible, invincible run, they were a whopping five points behind Liverpool in sixth position. After that incredible, stat-busting, record-breaking run, they were five points behind Liverpool and in fifth position. Well done, everyone. But back to Arsenal, as if it wasn't enough to have Jose throwing in the towel, even Liverpool seem to have decided to implode and give the Gunners a chance at fourth. It's been a real string of disappointing results up in Liverpool, but the pleasing thing is seeing that Jurgen Klopp is really beginning to get to grips with English football. I don't mean the tactics, the players, the physicality of the league, I mean the excuses. He has learnt that, as an English manager, defeat is never your fault. Blame anything you can, even if it's the grass. The pitch was really dry. <laughs> we started, we gave all water we had and then it was difficult. How wet exactly do you need the pitch? It's not water polo. I'm pretty sure that Jurgen Klopp is the first person to ever blame a football result on grass since the Jamaican football team. So now he's blaming the rain. What is it that Klopp has got against the weather? Today was really difficult, really difficult to, to play football with this wind. He always seems to be having a pop at mother nature. Which meteorological event is going to get the blame for Liverpool's next defeat? Yeah, we would have won today, but there was some light drizzle in the first half and we just didn't prepare for that. Even if Arsenal do grab the fourth spot, and they will by the way, there is still a chance that Wenger won't sign a new contract at the club in any capacity. He was asked this week if he may like to move upstairs and take a role as a director of football at the Emirates if he was going to step down as manager. And he just played dumb. Director of football? I don't know what it means. I'm pretty sure you do, Arsene. You've been in the game long enough. That tactic doesn't work when you get caught out by the wife, and it's not going to work now. What do you mean, affair? I've never even heard that word before. What does it mean? You're confusing me. But if Wenger does go then who'd you get to replace him? Well, it sounds like wheeler-dealer Ari Redknapp might fancy a go. Having performed the miracle of taking the reins at Birmingham City and keeping a club that were just outside the relegation zone, just outside the relegation zone, it was time for King Redknapp to address the media and give countless interviews, all with the subtext of Why have I never been given a big job in football, eh? Every club in a few years in the Premier League, I think, will be foreign-owned. And they come in and they want to bring people in. They've heard of famous managers from abroad or somewhere, and they go and give them the job. They don't give it to a British manager. Says Redknapp, now the manager of a club owned by Hong Kong-based sports holding company, Trillion Trophy Asia. But Harry really has got a bee in his bonnet about this one. He is sick to death of all these foreign managers in the league. And in Harry's world, it's not about the manager's skills, the Champions Leagues they've won, the Syria titles, the Bundesligas. It's much more simple than that. It's the players. When you've got fantastic players, it's the easiest job in the world. It's when you, you, you're trying to, to stay in the division. Like David Moyes this year, he's gone to Sunderland. I knew Sunderland would get relegated at the start of the year, and that's not David's fault. You're spot on there. Poor old David Moyes. Sunderland's relegation was never his fault. It's the players, and our Harry has got a point. The only way David Moyes would really be able to prove his worth as a top manager would be if a club with a real trophy pedigree, a championship-winning squad and a history of success had given him a job. You know, someone like Manchester United. I'm sure then he could show us all his true potential. Congratulations, Chelsea. Premier League Champions. Last year we had Leicester, with odds of 5,000 to 1 winning the trophy, which were the same odds as Elvis being found alive and well, and this year we have the Blues of London picking up the silverware. They had far less impressive starting odds of 6 to 1, which was about the same chance as Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle becoming the next Pope. Yeah, it's just not as interesting, is it? It's no doubt that much of that success lies at the door of Antonio Conte, the Italian manager who has made such a splash in his first season in England that he is already being linked with big jobs at the likes of Barcelona. But what exactly goes on inside the mind of a championship-winning manager? We played uh, a game with, uh, with head and uh, in this part of the season it's very important to, to use before the head, then your heart and then your legs. Head, heart and legs. Hang on, as Conte based his entire managerial philosophy on a children's song. Head, heart, legs win the game, win the game. Head, heart, legs win the game, win the game. Whatever, it works. And that, along with the passion that he shows during the game, has won the Chelsea manager fans and supporters from every team. During the game, I know that I'm uh, an animal the pitch and then after after the game yeah i must be relaxed and he is he prowls the touchline like a caged tiger he explodes with the rage of an angry bear when a decision doesn't go his way and he jumps around like an excited monkey when his team scores an exceptional goal it's incredible to watch so conte is a tiger monkey bear which sounds like a really messed up sesame street character hang on maybe this is sesame street We've done body parts, then animals. What's Conte going to teach us next? Counting? Nah, that's just stupid. If the Paul Pogba transfer news this week has taught us anything, it's that people in football cannot add up. How could this be? There is nothing to count. But maybe all football managers have hidden secret spirit animals like Conte. Sam Allardyce, he draws his power from the magpie. ...attracted to anything that glitters. Roy Hodgson, he's a wise old owl. Well, he's an old owl anyway. An owl who thinks Harry Kane should take corners. And Pep Gradiola. Will he be a unicorn? You've heard of this mythical, magical beast. You can't wait to see one. But when it turns up on your doorstep... ...it's just another donkey. (coughs) And what about Arsene Wenger? Well, for him, it's gotta be a groundhog. Because it's the same old shit every single year. Jose Mourinho is cracking down on the Manchester United players with an iron fist. The Portuguese has hit his squad where it hurts, right in the social medias. Jose has introduced a load of new rules for his players as to when and where they can use the likes of Twitter and Instagram, including no posting for 48 hours before a game, No posting from training, no posting from the team bus. I ask you, how the hell is Paul Pogba supposed to prepare properly for a game of football if he can't dab for the pleasure of 100,000 Instagram followers before kickoff, eh? But in the face of such a ban, it's worth remembering some of the golden moments that we would have never had should these rules have been introduced earlier. Epic events in human history could have gone unnoticed. Massive events like Paul Pogba's attempt at a terrible Manchester accent. I'm from Manchester. You're, not, you're not from here. Nick. You're not from here, Paul. Then there was Juan Matters' touching and humbling Christmas message to all his fans. Happy Christmas to everyone from an empty Old Trafford. Enjoy. And who's forgetting the United team screaming like little girls as their bus was pelted with bottles outside Upton Park by West Ham fans last year? Oh, 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 <laughs> in- Gosh, Which I imagine is very similar to the scenes in the dressing room as that ban was announced. RIP, Manchester United's shit social media posts. Right, that's it. Another 15 minutes of football funny done. Thank you for coming. If you liked it, then don't forget to like, share and review us on iTunes and your social media and spread the word of On The Left Side. Right, I'm off to spend some alone time with a packet of pickled onion monster munch because that's full time. On The Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson for Abrupt Audio. This week, news broke that Paul Pogba's agent Minoa. This week, the news broke that Paul Pogba's agent Minoa Rola. This week, the news broke that Paul Pogba's agent Mino. This week, the news broke that Paul Pogba's agent Mino Yoa. This week, the news broke that Paul Pogba's agent Mino Riloa. Rayola, Rayola, like crayola. This week, the news broke that Paul Pogba's agent Mino Crayola. This? (laughs) Maybe he doesn't count too much and then he scores the winning goal for the championship. I mean, football is fucking unbelievable.